Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yo! We are back on the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. It's my podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out here with me. It really was not my intent to do football pods the week of the Super Bowl, but a couple of opportunities presented themselves, and I did not want to turn them down, especially this one. If you have not gone and listened to the Matt Bowen episode I highly recommend that you do. I think you will enjoy it. I think that you will learn some stuff. And I'm glad that, I mean, I put that thing out Sunday night. And the reaction to it has been unbelievable. The amount of people who have already downloaded the episode. And I imagine there will be thousands more who download the episode. So I thank everyone, all the early adopters, all the people who subscribe to House of L. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support of what it is that we do on this podcast. And part of the reason that I started House of L was for episodes like this one. I started it because I always wanted to make sure that I had a place in case I was done with the industry or more importantly, the industry was done with me. It's it was my goal to make sure that I had a platform no matter what. And now that I I know how to do it, it doesn't necessarily have to be House of L in the future. I, I would know how to create another one. And and there's some freedom in that. There's some freedom in being able to run your own show. And there's also freedom in having a place where your friends could go if they needed to do stuff and being able to pay them is a big key for me which is why I always talk about advertising on the podcast and if you would like to support this podcast if you run a business or you are a decision maker for a business hit me up house of l podcast at gmail.com is the way that you can talk to me and we can we can make it work I promise you we would love to have good people that we could have an incredible advertising partnership with. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it because you heard me talking about this type of thing in the episode with Matt Bowen, but I'm glad that I have this available because usually what happens is when you get laid off, and laid off is very different from being fired. I'm so Layla made this point, and she's so spot on. When you get laid off, like the, the issue is cause. When you're fired, there's usually cause. Not always, but there's usually cause. When you're laid off, it's really a matter of financial circumstance and tough choices that have to be made by the people that run these media companies. And it is 
always weird when you see these big deals that these companies do and the worth of these networks and the money that they spend on some of their programming and then little people get pinched and it's like really like this person's salary is going to crater the entire operation like that seems crazy but i adore these two guys that are are doing the episode today jj and i go back a long ways he's been tremendous in welcoming me into nbc sports chicago and i felt like right off the bat like even knowing him you know in the field and stuff like i knew jj's work before we started working together but right off the bat being able to to go back and forth with him when i was hosting the the pregame show and the football after show and knowing that i was getting top-notch hard work from a guy and i really like how even in the four four years that I was doing the show, that we saw like real growth from JJ, and I kind of like this version of JJ, where he's been through some stuff now as a reporter, and he suffers no fools. He's an incredible writer. He's very responsible with his opinion, with his research that he does to bring the opinion to you he's got an incredible personality he's just likable like you run across people in this business and you just go yeah that that person they that's good people right there and that's how I feel about JJ like he's just good people comes from good stock you can tell you can tell how how he was raised like he's that good of a person and I call Cam Ellis the legend. I just, his whole vibe, man. Like, I dig his whole vibe. I got the chance to go down while J.J. was on paternity leave last year when he had his, his beautiful babies. Well, he didn't have them. His wife, Betsy, had them. I, I was kind of like, they said, hey, do you want to go to the Super Bowl? Because J.J. can't go. And I was like, sure. So NBC and The Score worked it out where I could do the radio show from Radio Row as long as I was doing work for NBC Sports Chicago. The crew that we sent down there to Miami was awesome. And and it was cool for me because I think that everyone there was kind of like, is Lawrence good at his job or what? And I think that at the Super Bowl, they got a chance to see me be good at my job. Saw they saw that I had a little bit of juice, you know, you know I'm 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 back in the laying in the cut, you know, while I'm here in in Chicago. But when we got to Miami, I think they were like, "Oh, you know people? Yeah, I know people." Imagine that. But Cam is his whole vibe, man. Is just he's so honest in his feelings when he talks about covering teams. Like, he doesn't like to be lied to, and it comes across in some of the stuff. But he's also, he he takes the job seriously, but he doesn't take himself seriously. And even now and again, you'll see him joke around about Jay Cutler tweets or Instagram posts, and he's kind of our Jay Cutler sleuth in Chicago media when it comes to whatever it is that Jay's putting on social media. So I said to JJ, I was like, look, man, 
I, I take some time to let this layoff settle in because I know how I was. I know how Layla was. We talked a lot after we were laid off in August. And then hit me up and let me know if you want to do something. And he said, yeah, you know what? It's funny. We never really got a chance to talk with the audience. And that's one of the biggest issues when people get let go or laid off. Usually, media companies don't want those people to be able to use their website or use their radio station or use their TV station to say goodbye because they're worried that people are going to blast the entity that they work for or that the listener, the viewer, or the reader is going to think poorly of the institution because they really like that person. I understand it, but it's a practice that needs to be done away with. Most of these people know who their responsible people are. You know who you can and who you can't trust with the opportunity to say a goodbye to an audience, to a loyal audience that has been with them. And, and I can honestly think of no one better suited for an opportunity like that than J.J. Stankovitz. Like, he's not, he's not going to burn the city down because he's angry. But it is important to him to talk to these Bears fans that have supported him throughout his entire career. And he should be given an opportunity to do that. Same thing with Cam. Like, the relationship, people think that the relationship is one-sided. That it's just how the listener or reader or viewer feels about the personality, not understanding that the relationship is reciprocal. And we've forged these relationships with our audiences. And they they come to expect a certain level of, of information or professionalism or fun or whatever it is that draws you into listening, watching, or reading that person. So it's a reason why I like having House of L because it is giving people an opportunity to do some of these things and to talk to their audience. Here's a platform that's already built. We have the distribution system of my Twitter account, Cam's Twitter account now, JJ's Twitter account to get these messages out. And it just allows people to kind of do their own thing. I've been talking too long, and I apologize. This is their episode, not mine. Just know that I'm really passionate about what these guys are going through and how good they are at their jobs. And J.J. said to me that he had an idea of what he wanted to do, that there was a mailbag, there was a bunch of letters that, that they had gotten, a bunch of emails they had gotten that they couldn't answer because clearly they didn't have access to the Undercenter podcast. So he wanted to do that. He wanted to tell the story about what happened. He wanted to talk about what ends up being next for him. Same thing with Cam. So I wanted to allow these guys to do it. I, I mean, you hear J.J. on my radio show during football season every week. Clearly, he's one of my favorites. Or else I wouldn't have him on the radio show once a week. But I'm glad that he and Cam were cool enough with like, hey, we can, we'd love to be able to talk with our audience one more time. 
Maybe it won't be just one more time. I'm going to see if I can convince them to do some other stuff down the road. But for now, if you were trying to get that fix between two of the really smart people who cover the Bears and understand and get a glimpse into what it feels like to be laid off, you need to listen to these two. J.J. Stankovitz, Cam Ellis, House of L presents my two guys doing work talking everything life love layoffs and football right here on the house of l podcast hey everyone i'm jj stankovitz and i am so glad to be joined by my old podcast partner cam ellis we are back here on the house of l podcast network we're back how fun only a week only a week and a half after our last episode of the under center podcast you can find us both on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz and at Kingsley Ellis. First, Cam, a huge thank you to our guy and our former Under Center podcast co-host, Lawrence Holmes, for giving us this platform to kind of give a proper goodbye to our listeners on the Under Center podcast, but also a hello to the folks who listen to the House of L podcast uh, that Lawrence hosts, that he's got a lot of other great folks on, our friend Connor McKnight hosted a podcast on this network and was recently hired by ESPN 1000 to host their White Sox pre and post in a great move for Chicago baseball fans. Um, but Cam, I wanted to kind of use this platform that Lawrence has graciously given us to talk a little bit about what happened to us at NBC Sports Chicago. Why, if you're a subscriber to the Under Center podcast, um, you're not going to hear us on it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then also, I mean, there's been just like, an avalanche of football news that's happened since we last potted. So we got to get this energy out, Cam. It's crazy. It, it has been both the shortest and longest 10 days of my life, I feel like. Um, I, I, every day is a new adventure right now. Every day is a very boring new adventure right now. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I was talking to my wife about this, and I was like, it's not really going to hit me that, you know, I'm, I'm not working for NBC Sports Chicago anymore uh-huh. until probably, like, probably the start of the regular season, honestly, mm-hmm. because right now I'm not really doing anything, you know, in, in the off season, you're kind of doing a lot of speculation. You're filling out coaching staffs. It's a lot of sort of, I don't want to say smaller stuff, but it's not as intensive. Like I'm in my basement working. That's right. what I would be doing. If there weren't a pandemic, if I still had my job, I would be in my basement at my desk working. Right. Now I'm just sort of using that time to update my resume and go into LinkedIn and touch an account I haven't touched in eight years. Yeah. I had to reset my LinkedIn password because I didn't know it. Yeah. Same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so like so many others in this pandemic, we each got a call on uh, January 21st that our positions were being eliminated at NBC Sports Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um I literally had never worked anywhere else. Cam, I know you had been to a lot of other places. Um, It was weird in that I sort of knew it was going to happen eventually. Hmm. Um, Look, I I was at NBC Sports Chicago. I I started as an intern there when we were CSN Chicago in 2010. Um, The round of layoffs that finally cost me my job was the fourth round of layoffs I went through. Mm -hmm. And when you see so many of your friends, not just people who are coworkers, but people who you've developed really close friendships with, lose their jobs, um, Lawrence included, 
who was part of the, the layoffs at NBC Sports Chicago last summer. Um, it's, it's tough and it, it wears on you. And you just sort of are waiting for it to happen, right. which is not a great way to operate. And it doesn't, this is not, you know, this is not anything against anyone at NBC Sports Chicago. It's just the nature of the business that this happens. Yeah, I would. Uh, That's how I'm processing it, at least. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I would maybe say I did not see it coming quite as clearly as maybe you did. Um, but you're right. I mean, you, you, you go into this business, you know what you're getting into. And, and everyone was so nice in their reaching out to me that afternoon and, and, and that night and the next morning. And that's what I sort of tried to make clear was that like, yeah, it, it sucks a whole lot. Um, but you, like you said, you, you know what you're getting into. You, this is not, I, my brother texted me and I was like, damn, man, I, I should have been a dentist. Like I, you, you, you don't go through, you don't get to NBC sports without seeing how other people, you know, how, how without seeing how the bottleneck flows, so to speak, like you, mm. you just, you try and ride the wave and don't look down until you fall off and like, you know, it happens to everyone eventually, or, or that's that's sort of dark, but like it happens to most people eventually mm-hmm. at some point down the road. So yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was a surprising, um, a different week, I would say, and sort of pivoted a lot of things. But at the end of the day, you're right. You you, you know, in this business, you eventually get that email at some point or another. Yeah, you know, I, I saw it happen to so many of my friends who didn't work for CSN Chicago, NBC Sports, you know, long before the pandemic. Um, and it kind of it kind of steals you against it, at least in my experience. Um, I have nothing but gratitude to everyone at NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, you know, Kevin Cross is a, a tremendous leader, someone who has done so much for me and my family who has emphasized family and, and has encouraged me to, you know, take a two week honeymoon when Bears training camp started and encouraged me to take two and a half months off when my kids were born. And, you know, Michael Allardyce, our oral digital director, same with him, um, really do appreciate everything that he did for me and, and my career. Um, there are a lot of really good people there, unfortunately. A lot of really good people are no longer there, like Jeff Newich, Scott King. You know, we weren't the only ones who lost our jobs last two weeks ago. So it's it's disappointing. It's kind of the nature of the business that is, I guess, accelerated by the pandemic. Um, And I also am not naive enough to think that we're the only people who have ever lost our jobs in the pandemic. There have been far too many others who have got the email, have got the call that we got earlier this year. Right. Yeah. That's the thing is that this is not, um, well, I appreciate, you know, like I said, everyone that reached out, which was, we sort of talked about, it was sort of a trip like that, Uh that immediate sort of, I would say probably 24 hours was kind of wild. You know, it, 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 it definitely helped in the moment. You know, I think there would have been a much larger spiral that day had I not just been getting a text or a tweet from someone every five minutes, honestly, it was pretty yeah. constant of just saying nice things and, you know, people that I would have never expected to reach out, reach out. So that, that was very, it was very comforting at a time when that was definitely necessary. Um, but yeah, you know, everyone has their laid off in the pandemic story, I feel like. So mm-hmm. ours yeah. is not particularly different, but it is what it is. And you just sort of 
you got nowhere else to do but sort of roll with it and see what comes next. Yeah. And I think the thing that I've struggled with the most is that I love doing the podcast with you. Yeah. That was that was the highlight of my work responsibilities was hosting the Under Center podcast with you and and previously with Lawrence. And I was thinking about it today. I was like, when I started on the beat, it was me, Chris Bowden, and John Moon Mullen on the podcast. And it was I was maybe it was training camp of 2017 when uh, they limit, they laid off Chris Bowden and it was just like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe that, you know, Bowden's leaving. This is, Oh man, this is tough. And, and it's, it, it's almost weird that, you know, everyone who's been on that podcast uh, leading up to us losing our jobs had also had their positions eliminated. Um, one other special shout out here. <laughs> they, uh, they made it sound like the understanding podcast is cursed. It's not cursed. It's not cursed. It's a great podcast. It is in fantastic hands, by the way, yeah. uh, with our guy, Tony Gill, producing it. I Look, I don't know what's next for it, um, but I know that if Tony Gill's producing it and with the talent that is still over at NBC Sports Chicago, it's going to be a really good podcast, one that right. should stay in your rotation. Don't, yeah. don't unsubscribe to it because we're not on it. It's still going to be a very, very good product, right. just like everything else that they do over there. You know, I've, I saw it through a lot of layoffs where people picked up responsibilities and the quality of our work never really diminished. Yeah. Um, you know, Eric Strobel does a great job on, Bear, on the bears content team over there. Uh, Adam Hogue does a great job covering the bears, David Kaplan. Uh, it, it's, it's a really good place. It's people who I'm going to miss dearly, but also, you know, I also understand that this happens yeah. and that's kind of where we're at, but Hey, we've got a lot of pod energy to get out Quite and, yeah. It's I, I hadn't gone this long without potting since I was on parental leave. And Cam, I don't think you've probably gone this long without potting in like two years. Yeah, probably. Um, so we, we got a lot of things to talk about here. And, and Lawrence gave us this platform not only to kind of give a little update on what happened to us, but also because, hey, we want to talk some bears. We want to talk some football. Jared Golf has also found himself in less ideal circumstances. So maybe all three of us can relate. <laughs> Would would you rather have just been laid off or transferred to Detroit? I I I cannot think of a harder transition than being the golden boy high school California quarterback going to Cal, getting drafted number one overall by the Rams, and then getting traded to Detroit. Like that. I don't like I, Josh. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think Jared Goff's gonna know what to do for like the first year of his life. I. I, I mean, uh, you know, he called Blake Griffin on day one and was just like, "What do I do, man? Like, what?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Except like, I don't know. Like, getting traded to Detroit in basketball—that's like totally different. They have a tradition, right? Like, yeah. they, they, you know, they they had Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lambeer and all those assholes who everyone in Chicago hates. Yeah. And the Lions are just like. Ugh. I hope the Lions are good because, yeah. I mean, I'm saying this on a, a podcast that's supposed to be Bears centric, but like, man, they deserve that. Those fans have been put through a lot, uh, and I, I hope the Lions do well, and I hope Jared Goff does well. But that is a whew, that is a transition, man. Bears fans must be thrilled. Jared Goff's terrible against the Bears, and he, granted, he it's, sure it's is. Three games, and I, I think you could maybe say Jared Goff is just 
kind of terrible in general. But um, I feel like every time Jared Goff played the Bears, it was like a microphone of how bad Jared Goff actually was. Yeah, yeah, they they had his number even in those games. You know, the the game in 2019 that the Rams won was 17 to seven at the old Coliseum, and it was just like, ugh. I mean, <laughs> that that was one of the worst games I I watched covering the Bears. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the return for Matt Stafford. Okay. Uh, or what the Rams sent for Matt Stafford specifically. So they gave up what is perceived to be a lot, right? Mm-hmm. That like, oh my God, not, you know, to get out from the Jared Goff contract, they had to give up two first round picks, a third round pick and Jared Goff just to get Matt Stafford. Right. And I, I, I get it. I get the sticker shock, right? That, oh my God, that's so much to get Matt Stafford. But like, y'all know how good Matt Stafford is? Right. And to uh, the point that we were just making, not only do you know how bad Jared Goff is, but do you know how much money Jared Goff is being paid? And yeah. so, and like lots of people have made this point. It's not, I'm not breaking news here, but that, that they, the, the Lions, the Rams didn't just trade for Matt Stafford. The Rams traded to get out from under Jared Goff's contract. And so, and as plenty of people have pointed out, that's probably, it explains at least in parts the the haul they got back because you are you're 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 trading for a better player but you're also trading for the ability to maneuver out of a bad contract the irony being that the rams are one of the few teams that generally speaking philosophically speaking don't care about like throwing money at people so Mm -hmm. it's it's sort of they are both they have both hands in the pot in different pots almost in that they are trying to make up for a mistake in their pathology of building a team while also sticking to that pathology in the same way. So Matthew Stafford's cap hit in 2021 is 20 million. That's so cheap. Right. For a quarter, not just for a starting quarterback, but for a quarterback of his caliber, you put him in Sean McVay's offense. So 2019, it was only eight games, but Matthew Stafford that year had a career best quarterback rating 106 he averaged that year 8.6 yards per attempt. He was so good that year before he got hurt. And that offense that they were running with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, uh, you know, Daryl Bevel kind of go and play action. He, he maybe skewed a little bit too heavily toward running the football. Um, I think if I'm Sean McVay, I look at that season and I'm like, what Matthew Stafford can do, 19 touchdowns and five interceptions in eight games – Mm-hmm. What he can do with Matt Stafford and the, the arm strength that Stafford has, I think my favorite thing that Stafford does is how well he climbs the pocket. Mm-hmm. He just, it's, it is an incredible trait of his that he can do that and hit those downfield throws. Um, I, I think this makes, to me, this makes the Rams instant Super Bowl contenders in a way that they never were going to be with Jared Goff. Yeah. And it's, you know, I read up about it. The, the writing apparently was on the wall when I, I, I guess McVay was blown away by, you know, John Warford and his ability to like process information in a way that I guess Goff never was able to, which sounds wildly familiar to anyone in the listening to this probably. Um, but, but I think that's sort of you, I think you know what you're getting in Matt Stafford. And I think there's a lot of fair criticism to the idea that, you know, He's had plenty of 
offensive talent to, and it hasn't been great, but he's had plenty of off- offensive talent to win fo- maybe more football games than he's won. But you know what you're getting, and you know that his his floor at this point is probably at Jared Goff's ceiling, if not higher. So you you know what you're getting and you you know that you you're getting a quarterback who knows these offenses and knows how he fits within the offense better than having to butt heads with a quarterback who comes with the expectations of a first round pick that you're supposed to mold your like it, it, when we're talking about we've talked so much I would say the last two years about how offenses are molding to their quarterbacks and this is sort of the antithesis of that almost which is interesting because it's another sort of data point in the way that the Rams are zigging when everyone's zagging is that Mm -hmm. they're really betting on Sean McVay's ability to get the best out of a good quarterback. And, and they had been betting on Sean McVay to get the best out of a mediocre quarterback for the last X amount of years, four or five years. And I guess their bet, their hedge is that, you know, Jared Goff just isn't good enough. And, and it's interesting. They're both betting on McVay's abilities while also sort of acknowledging that McVay is probably a little bit hamstrung because he needs a quarterback better than Jared Goff to flourish. So uh, as much as everyone's going to talk about the skill of the quarterback, this, you know, whether it's Brady versus Mahomes, whether it's the huge overflow of offseason targets, it, it, it really, this trade accentuates to me how important the people playing the quarterback position have grown in the coach quarterback comparison. Yeah. I think it's super fascinating how the Rams have gone about building this roster because they, they literally will not have a first round pick. It's pretty crazy from 2017 to 2023. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they will have one first round pick in the, in both the Trump and Biden administrations. Like that's, that's crazy. That, that is the antithesis to how a lot of people think you should build teams. Also the Rams next year, this, this I forgot about, not only is, are, are they carrying a significant amount of dead cap, $22 million on Jared Goff They're They still carry $8.4 million in dead cap on Todd Gurley. Yeah. So the Rams, they got really aggressive with signing their young players to big contracts, which is what, a lot of good teams do don't get me wrong but instead of saying ah, i guess we're stuck with them they made this bold trade for jared goff and they just got rid of todd Gurley mm-hmm. and said we'll worry about the money later we'll worry about the draft capital later we want to go get our guys who we believe can win a super bowl with this great coach that we have this is going to be a fascinating team building experiment in the nfl one that i Quite frankly, I don't think any other team can replicate, but one or that some teams are definitely going to try to right. replicate. No, and and I think the only other team that operates with this sort of, I don't even know what the right word is, abandon is not the right word, but operates with this sort of, you know, they, they, they really zig, like I said, when the, when the whole rest of the league is zagging about, you know, you don't want, you want cheap contracts and you want value and you want draft capital. And you, the Rams and the Saints are really yep. the only two mm-hmm. teams that sort of go against the grain in that, in that regard. And yet they both win a lot. And, and mm-hmm. the, the, you can say the Saints have done that with that absurdly, 
deep draft class from what 2017 i want to say yeah the Lattimore, camara right and yeah. drew Brees. but the rams haven't had that production out of a quarterback so there 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 there's more of an interesting line to be drawn between the two than just oh when you have good quarterback play you can afford to throw your money at people because that covers it well it doesn't really in the rams case so I'll be interested to see how this works because there is now evidence that you can sustain success if you have one or two pieces by doing this I, where you just blitz and you say the cap is what it is, but it's not going to stop us from doing anything. And first round picks are are better as trade capital than they are worth to your team. And, and maybe that maybe the idea that, you, you know, we talk to a lot of people and they say, well, a third do a fifth round pick the skill value there isn't really different. Maybe people are coming around on the idea that a high first and a, and a high second aren't that different anymore. You know, maybe, maybe picks 26 through 80 are not all that different anymore. I, I don't know. Maybe that someone who is more involved in scouting and draft building would know the answer to that. But I wonder if the scale of talent is changing and it's therefore making teams that want to approach this method, the way that the Rams are say, well, if, I don't think 22 versus 45 makes as huge as a difference as mm-hmm. it traditionally has. Right. And yep. so that makes those picks way more expendable, especially now when the, the backslash for the last half decade, full decade has been get those first round picks, get those first round picks. Maybe the, the front edge of that is saying, well, maybe not. I think Ryan Pace would be like, yes, hopefully that's the front edge of that because I've been saying this for six years now, but it, I, the, the end product, if, you know, Todd Gurley or Jared Goff isn't good, still just looks so dangerous. It's such a high yeah. wire act. Yes. And, I, and I think the Saints are going to face that reckoning pretty soon. So I'm interested to see how I, I think we're going to get our first look at the, the first wave of backlash against this approach. But I do respect it just because it's so different and it's so brazen compared to what everyone else is. Mm-hmm. You know, money ball is a lazy term now, but that sort of mm-hmm. stripping down for value approach has gotten so overdone and overvalued mm-hmm. that it, it's refreshing yeah. to see teams go a, a different way about it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that essentially that going and trying to win on the margins of your roster is something that a lot of teams have gravitated toward. It's kind of refreshing, like you said, to see a team just be like, ah, screw it, we're going for it. Right. Who, who cares how much yeah. cap space we have? Who cares how many picks it takes? We think we can win a Super Bowl because Matthew Stafford will be our quarterback. Right. And I, I wrote this in a, a post-game column after the Bears played the Lions and they lost that game in December. I, I said, whatever team gets Matthew Stafford is going to be so happy with him mm-hmm. because he's he's been not languishing in Detroit, but... I think it was Ted Wynn from The Athletic did a quick little film breakdown on Twitter where one of them was like, it's going to be really good for Matthew Stafford that in LA, they're not going to run concepts where you have two players running outs to the same side of the field. Like, yes, you're not going to be doing that. The, the concepts that Sean McVay are going to, and Matthew Stafford are going to run are going to be a lot better than what he was getting in Detroit because Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in the NFL. Now you're putting in a, an incredibly talented quarterback who still has some tread on his tires mm-hmm. in Los Angeles for only $20 million. And uh, yes, the other, the other stuff matters, the, the draft picks and all that, but on its face value, that for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's a pretty good proposition. And uh, excuse me for going back here again, but I actually think that like this approach the bears were doing before the Rams were the bears just decided to trade for Nick Foles, right? Like I, I, and I think that, you know, it's, it's not totally apples to apples, but the Rams can do this because they have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and they're not just good players. They are top tier one, all pro all Aaron Donald's a generational player. Jalen Ramsey is looking more and more like a generational player. You can, when you have those type of players, you can afford to pull these off. And I think the bears probably had a defense for that, but they just traded for Nick Foles and Nick Foles is not a good quarterback. And one also they don't have, you know, Sean McVay, which is a big difference. Well, that's also a big difference. Yeah. One last line I want to follow here before we start talking about Deshaun Watson is there is Bill Barnwell wrote about this in 2018. So, I mean, this was way back when Jared Goff was at the the height of his powers that it might be a smart team building strategy to just cycle through quarterbacks on rookie contracts. Yeah. Because the, the Deshaun Watson, yes, deserves a contract extension. Obviously Patrick Mahomes does, but like, I, you know, you look at the Browns right now and with Baker Mayfield, they're starting to face a decision on him. Baker Mayfield's a really good quarterback, but are you going to be happy with a rich contract extension for Baker Mayfield in four years? Right. These, these are really tough questions. And I think I would love to see a team try it. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you, you take the Browns as an example. Okay, we have Baker. He's cheap for five years. And then we're going to draft someone in that fifth year who will then replace him. Right. That would be such a bold move. I, I don't think it's a very realistic proposition, but I'd love to see a team try because the Rams, by the way, yeah, they traded away all their first round picks. So you can't really do it. But also like, imagine if the Rams drafted Jalen Hurts last year and all of a sudden now, like you trade golf or you, you, you have golf here and you didn't sign him to that extension. And all of a sudden now you have Jalen Hurts to take over how interesting that would be. I think the Rams are obviously they're much better off with Matthew Stafford, but that, that to me is kind of the, that's like the galaxy brain frontier of NFL front offices. And I think that I think in 15 years, it's never going to go to the running backs point where they go running backs don't matter. But mm-hmm. I'm curious to see whether in 15 years, quarterback has become devalued outside of four or five or six guys. And I, and I wonder if you see that middle class bottom out and like, you, mm-hmm. because I, because you're right. I think teams are, and give the bears credit for not doing this with Mitch Trubisky, but I think teams are looking and saying for the vast majority of times, you know, put Ryan Tannehill aside, the vast majority of times the investing or trusting that 
a quarterback is going to grow and produce after year four or five looks less likely. And it's certainly not going to be likely. Uh, it's certainly not going to be a, a, a dice roll. You want to put 115, $120 million on, you know, if you can be smart and get Ryan Tannehill in your Tennessee, or if Marcus Mariota has a bounce back or if Mitch Trubisky plays well in a scheme, that's going to be the next play. But I, but I don't, I think taking a gamble on, you know, a fifth year option or an extension beyond that on a quarterback that you think, well, he's progressed a little bit, but let's, let's see him grow into this contract. Like, I don't think that's going to exist anymore. So I yeah. wonder if the bottom is going to fall out of that market outside of, like I said, you know, the top four or five guys. I mean, look at the list of quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl. It just look at it. And, and I'll read some names, you know, you have the exceptions, right? You have Nick Foles, you have, uh, Joe Flacco and Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer, mm-hmm. Mark Rippon, Jeff Hotstetler. Th- these guys who are maybe not elite Hall of Fame talent quarterbacks, but those guys are very much the exception. Patrick Mahomes, oh, yeah. Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Eli Manning, great playoff quarterback, I guess. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Brady, Brady, Brady. Kurt Warner, John Elway, Brett Favre, Troy Aikman, Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Joe Montana. Like, these are the people who win, who you can, you're not guaranteeing you can win a Super Bowl, but you know you can win a Super Bowl with them. And like you said, Cam, there are like four or five of those guys in the league in a given year. And we're going to see two of them play each other in the Super Bowl in six days. Yeah, That that I think is going to be a really fascinating line to follow, like you said, of how the NFL adapts to well, there are probably only four or five quarterbacks who you know you can win a Super Bowl with. So how do we go get them? And that brings us to Deshaun Watson. One of them specifically. One of them specifically who requested a trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently requested a trade a couple weeks ago. The Texans hired David Cauley as their new head coach. And in his introductory press conference, both he and Nick Casario, their new general manager, said, we're not trading him. Which, of course... They're saying that yeah. if, if, if the Texans on January 28th or whatever it was gay showed any sign of weakness in this negotiation, they're not going to get the return that they want. Right. But I want to take it here, Cam, because I, I know everyone in this town is talking about Deshaun Watson. We talked about him a lot on the under center podcast. Um, but this is kind of the new bit of news here that the, the rumor is that the Texans want two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two young defensive starters in return for Deshaun Watson. Well, guess what the Bears have? They can trade two first-round picks, they can trade two second-round picks, and they can trade Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson, and that could get them in the door for Deshaun Watson. It, it's funny how the Houston, uh, the reported Texans details look very similar to a specific slide of a specific slideshow that got a lot of people very angry like two weeks ago. Um, but I, yes, it's, it's going to be astronomical. And it's funny when you talk, when anyone talks about, well, oh, Houston said they didn't want to trade him. I always think to, I mean, literally in that same city, the Rockets said they weren't going to trade James mm-hmm. Harden for weeks and weeks and weeks. And that was the most obvious, yes, we are going to trade him situation. I I can remember in sports, like I cannot remember more of a clear disgruntled situation that meant they were going to go their separate ways. So I think 
yeah, they're going to trade him. The, the second that, you know, the reports came out that even if Houston hired Biennemi, that it wouldn't have mattered. That's when you're like, this whole thing was because they didn't interview Biennemi really in the first place. Um, or at least in large part. Well, it, it's, it started, it started with the Casario hire the well, and, and how ja- and Jack Easterby's right. reported meddling in a lot of things seems to that, that seems to be where this started. And it seems like it could have been fixed back then and just right. wasn't. Yeah. Right. Like they, came, they passed then, the point of no return a while ago. Right. Came to a head probably with the Casario hire and the coach mm-hmm. lack of coaching input. Um, yeah. but yes, like it's, and, and I do think that actually when people say that the Stafford deal isn't going to really impact the Deshaun Watson deal, I think that's sort of right because yes. I just don't think the markets are at all this, you know, quarterback, each quarterback is sort of his own market at this point in a weird way. There's just not precedent enough for quarterbacks being traded like this. And even in the same off season, when two will be traded and you think, Oh, there's two of them, it's going to create a market. No, because there's such different situations. There's such different players. It's, 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 it is as incomparable a trade as two people playing the same position can really be. And so, and I think that's probably a product of the quarterback being position being what it is on in terms of level of importance and frontward face facing on the field and off the field, everything. There's a thousand different reasons why that is what it is, but it's going to take a astronomically high offer it's going to take something that's bigger than you know when Washington traded for RG3's haul or mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be Mike Dicka trading uh for Ricky Will- or whatever that was the the whole draft class mm-hmm. but it's gonna it's, I mean it's gonna yeah so, some team is not going to have first round picks in, like until the Rams do and they're going to lose two of the best players and the Bears in theory have that I think other teams probably have that with picks that aren't in the high 20s I, I i so i don't know how involved i don't not involved i don't know how likely the bears are to be a, a a final destination but you're right the bears have it and i and i think that the bears are going to need to show at least a little bit of desperation and i think they should be they should be involved they should be as heavily mm-hmm. involved as anyone i don't see it's likely but they should throw everything they have at the wall so if you're looking at the teams that could go get Watson, you know, the, the New York jets have been heavily rumored to, you know, be, be in on that, at least as someone as a destination that Watson wants to go. And like, I'm looking at them, like they're probably trading Quinn and Williams in this deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that is the level of talent that the Texans are going to want back for one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, in my opinion. So the sticker shock of like, I can't believe they would trade Rokon Smith. Well, one of the five best quarterbacks in the league, those players don't become available. They just don't. And when they do, you shouldn't really care about the price because the most important thing in the NFL is having a great quarterback, right? Everything else is secondary and trading Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson you can you can overcome that, especially by the way, because Ryan Pace has a really good history of drafting players on the defensive side of the ball. Right, would trust him to find a replacement for Roquan Smith on even on day three of the draft, and would probably trust him to find a cornerback to replace Jalen Johnson if it's not a, if that player is not all, not already on the roster. Mm-hmm. Like, but the most important thing would be you have Deshaun Watson, so. 
whatever else comes with that, it's like we were just talking about. There are only four or five quarterbacks who you know you can go in a Super Bowl with. Who it is, it is just like a mortal lock. The Texans, I, I understand the argument that the Texans had they, they put Watson on just a, a bad roster. They did not surround him in the way that they should have surrounded Deshaun Watson. And their coaching maybe was a you know a little bit lacking for him. But at the same time, Deshaun Watson still was really good. He just like and, and the bear the drain that the Bears would put on their roster by making this trade would not be to the extent that it would ruin Deshaun Watson's chances of having success in Chicago. Because hey, if you're if you're keeping Darnell Mooney and David Montgomery and Cole Komet and mm-hmm. you know some pieces on the offensive line, your offense is going to be fine. And guess what? If you have a great quarterback, you can overcome having a middling defense. See the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. And uh, and Houston's offensive line was terrible for mm-hmm. so long. I mean, just terrible. It's funny to listening. I've been following Washington because Watson has been a part of the, he's been connected to Washington and trades a bunch. And it's funny to listen to them talk about which of their dynamic young, you know, front four players is not touchable in a Watson deal, whether it's Chase Young or Deron Payne or Montez Sweat or John Allen, whoever it is. And they're going, oh, he might not be worth it. He might not be worth it. And I, as someone who's followed the Bears, I just want to pull my hair out and scream, trade any of them, literally any of them trade. I know Chase Young looks amazing. I get it. But there's just edge rushing had its moment and it's still valuable, but I think edge rushing had its moment. And, and I think we're seeing that if you can get solid edge rushing high in the draft, granted, you know, the, 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 the position, that position really falls off as you get farther down in the draft. So you're going to have to get it for a premium, but it is not worth building that and then figuring out the quarterback later. And I think you could probably say that about all the positions. And I think we kind of knew that, but for a moment, there was the whole edge rushers are just, are just a smidge less valuable than quarterbacks. And, and I think, teams would be smart to realize that it, it would be wild to trade Chase Young or Deron Payne or whoever it is. But if you're getting Deshaun Watson, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It does not matter. It just, it's simply, it's that simple. It simply doesn't matter. That's the thing, Cam, is that you, you're, you know, if you're talking about trading Chase Young for the 10th best quarterback in the NFL, I might have some pause on that. Sure. Yeah. But if you're talking about trading Chase Young for Deshaun Watson, yeah, yeah. I, I would absolutely consider doing that because quarterback, like quarterbacks are just so, so valuable. And this is kind of the, the entire undercurrent of this conversation that finding a Super Bowl caliber winning quarterback is so hard to do. Mm-hmm. And if you can, you do whatever you can to get that guy. Right. It doesn't matter if you're trading Chase Young. Chase Young might be a Hall of Famer someday, but it certainly looks like it. Certainly looks like it after one year. Yeah. But you know who's also going to be a Hall of Famer someday is Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And he plays a more valuable position. Right. And the, the, if you look, if you take a decade, say, if you look back at the last decade and you look at which teams are winning the Super Bowls, there are good defenses that are winning the Super Bowls. But the, the vast majority of the last decade has been okay defenses with better offenses the only the very few times that elite defenses have what teams with bad offenses have won the super bowl in the last decade they have had 
historically elite defenses, like all-time greats, you know, the, the 2015 Broncos. The Broncos, the the Seahawks back, uh, I want to say it was, what year were they historically great was? 13, I want to say. Yeah, and even then they still had like a young Russell Wilson. Right, but yeah. I mean, you need to be, if you're going to have a, a worse, a better defense than a worse offense and, and you want to win the Super Bowl, it needs to be truly, truly like an historically great defense. And so, of course, your, your odds are far better to have a offense in this era that can win a Super Bowl and have a defense that can just put up, you know, middle of the league numbers with an offense that's top 10, that's going to win you a Super Bowl six out of 10 times versus an elite defense, which is going to be what one or two out of 10. one at one of 10. So it's funny because that this was the big topic that we were going to discuss on uh, the next episode of the under center podcast that didn't happen. Uh, I even teased it in there that, you know, hey, we're we're going to do this along with our mailbag. We're going to talk about, like, does defense still win championships? Because it's, you know, obviously a pertinent question here in Chicago. And, hey, well, we got, we got the platform, so yeah. let's talk about it. Uh, segue. Thank you. I, I thought I was pretty good at those. You still um, got it. <laughs> still got it, yeah. Just got to knock the rust off at the start. <laughs> so th- this Super Bowl is really, really interesting to me because – the Buccaneers are a, a very, very complete team with a championship caliber quarterback. Like last year, the 49ers were a complete team, but, you know, I think talking to people in San Francisco who cover that team, you know, no one was really thinking that Jimmy Garoppolo was a championship caliber quarterback. I mean, Kyle Shanahan showed us when he ran the ball or had Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball eight times against the Packers in the NFC championship. Tampa Bay. They are third in offensive DVOA and fifth in defensive DVOA. Mm-hmm. Todd Bowles, the stuff he has done in the playoffs has been awesome. Yeah. And that, that defense getting Vita Vea back, uh, I really, really am fascinated to see what they can do to the Chiefs offense. But then you got Kansas City down here that's much more typical of a, a Super Bowl participant over the last decade or so which is that they're second in offensive DVOA and 22nd in defensive DVOA. But the thing that I like about Kansas City's defense, and this is where I'm putting a little less stock into the defensive DVOA stuff for a full season, is that they make big plays. They they have big playmakers on that defense with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, and Steve Spagnuolo, has done a tremendous job coordinating that defense in the playoffs. I mean, what they did to the bills where they, they just scrambled Josh Allen's brain. Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, that to me drove home this point that I, I've really come to believe, especially watching this playoffs is that it doesn't totally matter how good your defense was in the regular season. What matters is the game plans that can be put together and the big plays that can be made. So I'm talking about sacks, forced fumbles, interceptions in the playoffs. Those are the things that swing playoff games from a defensive side of the ball. Not necessarily how efficient you were on a drive-to-drive basis in the regular season. It's the game plans and the game-wrecking talent in the postseason that win games on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the... I think the question, does defense win championships, is actually asking two or three different questions. Mm-hmm. Because you, what I think gets caught, what's get, what gets forget, forgotten in this conversation a lot of times is that when you ask players about the Super Bowl, 
it is just a different game. It just is. Mm -hmm. It is just different in every single way, whether it's your preparation, whether it's the amount of attention, whether it's the nerves, whatever it is, it is in its own world, a different game. That's why getting to the Super Bowl is such an accomplishment in the NFL, because once you're in it, I mean, it's coin flip is a, a, a not a good term in for what I think it is, but it, it is sort of up in the air. I mean, it is a it isn't it is a game in and of itself. And so I think if you're asking, can good defenses still win championships? The answer is yes, because in, you want to play, you want to have a good defense against one of the better teams because you're in the Super Bowl. And if you look at, you know, the Bucks run, Tom Brady threw what, three interceptions in a row or something or two, yeah. whatever it was. And the Packers didn't score. And, and right. that's because the Bucks had a great defense. But if you're asking, does defense win championships in terms of long-term building, in terms of macro level organizational planning? No, it, it, it doesn't. Trying to go year in and year out with a top five, top seven defense doesn't work because historically the teams have not found a way to sustain that. There just isn't a, the right. right way to do it. And so I, I think that there's still, I think people have, it's, it's always so binary as all sports conversations typically tend to end up when it, the answer is really somewhere in between, but it's, it is, you shouldn't build around a defense and try and plug into an offense. Cause that's not how you build a sustainable winner. With that being said, you know, you look at how you stop Pat Mahomes and it's having a defense that's good enough to rush for and having a defense mm -hmm. that's good enough to be able to drop a bunch of guys back in and, and, and still affect Pat Mahomes that way. And you can't do that with a bad defense. You're not going to, you're not going to get to Pat Mahomes with a bad defense. So to have a championship, to win a, a Super Bowl, you need a good defense, especially against Pat Mahomes, which is why I think like the Bucks money line looks pretty nice right now. Um, but, but organizationally on a long-term level, no drafting and building a huge defense up front and then going, Oh, we'll, we'll find our value quarterback. Our scheme will lift up a bunch of third round wide receivers. That's, that, that's mm -hmm. probably not going to get you anywhere. So I do think it's interesting that in 2020, the chiefs spent $94 million of their cap on defense. Those second most in the NFL, the bucks spent 79 million on their defense. That's sixth in the NFL. So the, you can invest money on defense. Certainly that this is not me saying don't, don't even touch your defense right, right. because you, you have to still have players certainly. Mm -hmm. But I just think when you get into the playoffs, it is such a week to week proposition and you have to do a lot of things that either accentuate your strengths or, or change your tendencies. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought, I mean, I'll be honest. I thought when, when the Packers were playing the Bucks, I thought Green Bay was going to win that game by a touchdown or more because I thought, okay, Aaron Rodgers has seen what Todd Bowles is doing and he, he and Matt LaFleur are going to pick them apart. And they didn't yeah. because the game plan that Todd Bowles put together was so good mm -hmm. and so well executed by the players that it overcame any advantages there. And Rogers, who's literally seen everything in his career might've had to the point where Aaron Rodgers isn't running into the end zone on a play that he probably should have ran into the end zone on, right. uh, or at least toward the end zone. And it, it you're right, Cam, this is not a binary discussion. But I do think that the, what, it, what this is showing 
is that really you just have to have the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and ultimately this goes back to the whole thing about trading Roquan and, and Jalen Johnson for Deshaun Watson is that you can win a Super Bowl without Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson, but you probably aren't winning a Super Bowl without Deshaun, a, a player of the caliber of Deshaun Watson. You know, it, it, there are all these discussions of like, well, what if the Bears in 2018 had a better quarterback? And, you know, who's not maybe your Deshaun Watson Mahomes level. Obviously, we know why those two names are thrown out there. But what if they just, instead of having Mitch, who was like a league average quarterback that year, what if they had the 10th best quarterback in the NFL? And I'm like, they might have made it to the NFC Championship. I mean, they yeah. might have. They legitimately might have. And then they would have had to play Drew Brees in the Superdome. And... You know, I, that might not have worked for the Bears in the way that it did for the Rams. Um, it, it's all such a, a tough proposition, but I do think that if, you, if your entire roster building perspective is just to invest in your defense before you have the quarterback, that is flawed. Yeah. If you have the quarterback, then I understand investing heavily into your defense like the Chiefs have done, like the Bucks did. Like the Packers, quite frankly, they're seventh in defensive spending last year. Uh, the Ravens were third. The Bills were first. And it's not like, you know, like the Bills didn't have a very great defense. The Packers, eh, they're okay. Um, but then there are the Bears up there at fifth. And the Dolphins at fourth. Two teams that, you know, the Bears made the playoffs. The Dolphins barely missed out, but didn't have the quarterback set. Right. And invested very heavily into their defense. I think that is where you can fall into a, a tough proposition. But ultimately the point that I'm making cam is that the driver of championships, like you, like you said earlier in this podcast, eight out of 10 times, nine out of 10 times, that is the quarterback. And if you're trying to go for the one out of 10 times with the defense, you know, it's like putting down five bucks on, you know, plus 1000 odds on a team to win the world series. Like you're probably not getting that money back. Right. If you, if you leave it up to an LA defense, sometimes Cody Parkey double doinks a field goal and you lose in the wild card round like that. You leave yourself up to, and it's a, admittedly a little bit of a lazy comparison, but I, I think you leave yourself up to those types of situations when you don't build around the very obviously most important position on the team. And it's interesting because to talk about the bears, like Ryan Pace did this right, right? Like, he did this the right this is this is the team building order that the bears did i think the anger stems from the fact that they just kept insisting that they had the quarterback on the roster when that clearly wasn't the case yeah i mean that that's the thing right that look if you you, you like can, ryan Pace, right if mitch is right. good then this looks brilliant. They, right, they have right. a stellar defense and Mitch Trubisky is still, you know, heading into the fifth year of his contract and on a bargain and the bears look like one of the best set up young teams in football. So the, the last point I want to make here though, is that defense, like it, it, this has been researched heavily by a lot of folks in the analytics community that offense is much more stable year to year than defense mm -hmm. defense year to year is, is not something that is very, easy to replicate like you have a great defense one year you could be awful the next year because some of the stats that lead a great defense to be great like takeaways specifically are not very stable year to year and, and Bears fans know this everyone knows this listening to this podcast that the Bears 
had 30, what, 36 takeaways in 2018 Mm -hmm. and have dipped significantly since then. And it's not because Chuck Pagano was a bad defensive coordinator. It's because it's just hard to do that year to year. It's really, really, really hard. And I'm looking at the, the, you know, DVOA here, previous year rankings for some of these defenses. Um, You know, a lot of it from 2019 to 2020 was a little more stable than we thought, but the Patriots were number one in DVOA in 2019. They were 26th in 2020. The Vikings are number four in DVOA in 2019. They were 18th in 2020. And the Vikings are a team that were stable in the top 10 with that defense for years. Buffalo, seventh in DV- defensive DVOA in 2019. They dropped to 12th in 2020. Um, you know, th- there are a lot of teams here, and, and sometimes you make a huge leap because you just get great players. And Washington was 27th in DVOA in 2019. They were third in 2020. The Colts were 19th in defensive DVOA in 2019. They were seventh this year. And sometimes it takes, you know, the, the right coordinator and the right players all meshing together, but it is, it's just hard to really bank on that on a year to year basis, which is why it's kind of like a one in, 10, two and 10 proposition to go win a Super Bowl with a great defense because you might only have one shot to do it. Whereas if you have a great offense, you're going to have multiple, multiple swings at that ball right. to go win a Super Bowl trophy with that great offense. And obviously you have a good offense because more often than not, you have a great quarterback, which like, yeah. it's funny how in depth all these NFL conversations go. And at the end of the day, you like immediately find yourself back at the idea that you just need a good quarterback. Like it, it, it's very simple. It's very simple. It is the most complicated, simple game in the world. Um, speaking quickly of DVOA, I was looking at those boards myself. Fun fact, did you know the most consistent NFL team in football this year by their by football outsiders metrics was the Chicago Bears? Oh, because they they weren't they didn't have a lot of variance. They were literally number one. They were just the exact same all year, which is crazy because it doesn't yeah. feel like it. But they yeah, they were far and away actually. Like they were at like four percent, and number two was at like over six percent. It was the Chiefs. So that's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it, I would have never never. And they the defense played the best offenses of any team in football this year. So yeah, they did. I mean, shoot, playing the Titans, the Saints, the Rams, the you know, the Packers twice, obviously yeah. the Buccaneers, uh, the Colts that they, they had some challenges, certainly then, you know, look, I, I, by the way, we, we spent this whole podcast talking about the, the bears and you know how they kind of fit with this. I, by the way, I think Sean Desai is a really good hire as yeah. defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I love this outside the box thinking that the bears are doing here. Big fan. I think it is fascinating that they retained one coach and lost every single one else, everyone else. Um, and I get why, because it's just a weird time in terms of pace and naggy, but it is, it has been sort of, I've been shocked to see how many assistant coaches took other jobs. I would, I, I expected yeah, a little bit I, of it, but it was a lot. You know, I think that's fairly typical when a coordinator leaves, uh, you know, in this case, Chuck Pagano retiring, um, you know, when Vic Fangio left to take the Broncos head coaching job, the bears hung on to one assistant, yeah. Jay Rogers. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing I did see today uh, that was reported that the, the bears might be looking into hiring a like senior defensive assistant um, to kind of, that I think would be a really smart move, whether it's Mike Patton or some other experienced former coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a really smart move. Cause you know, look, Sean Desai's come up through his, his track to this point has been really, really neat. And, and one that is not very 
you know, heavily trafficked in football. Right. Um, I think having that kind of that, that voice for him, who's been there, done that, uh, who's not going to tell him what to do, but he, who he can easily just kind of walk down the hall for, for counsel, I think would be a really smart move for the bears to do. Um, and I'm fascinated to see what he does because look, the bears still have some good players on this defense, whether or not they trade Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson for Deshaun Watson, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, Bilal Nichols. Yeah. Um, shoot, maybe we should include Bilal Nichols in the discussion for Watson too. He's, he's a really good player. Um, and Kyle we, Fuller, you know, we talk about that 2018 defense. Half of the AFC West, West is staffed by coaches that were on that defense. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy like that. I and that was, I mean, that was my first year on the Bears beat, and it's just crazy to think that like half of a, fo- a division of football is staffed with guys that we just like talk to very casually in those assistant days. Um, it's been it's been sort of cool to watch all those guys. Like I don't know them personally, obviously, but like we talked to them so casually for so long mm-hmm. to see them all be you know, in, in very large positions and big time, you know, the, the chargers, it's a huge job. The, the chiefs, not the chiefs, excuse me. Um, the, what am I thinking the, of the now? Broncos with Broncos? Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it has been, it's been wild to see that happen. You never know where the next head coach is coming from. When I covered uh, Notre Dame in 2014, when they had a little quarterbacks coach named Matt LaFleur, I did not expect him to be yeah. the head coach of the green Bay Packers in five years, but Smart people always find their way up in the NFL. Um, Brandon Staley certainly is one of those. Vic Fangio certainly is one of those. And I think Sean Desai is one of those from everything I know about him and, and the conversations I've had with him. He's a really, really sharp football mind who is kind of an outside the box hire, but one that I think is a, a really good swing to take. Yeah. If you're Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and the Chicago bears, anyways, this was good. I feel yeah. like we've got we've got a lot of pod energy out here. Yeah, I have filled one whole hour of my day, and that's a good start. So I that, is, that is a good start. So it's it's all about just filling hours at this point. So this was great. Yeah, and you know we we will, uh, you know, I, Lawrence has been very gracious to give us this platform. Um, I think we'll we'll try to do some more stuff here on the House of L Network. Um, and talk some more football, talk some more bears because the, the off season never stops. Even if you don't have a job covering football, yeah. uh, I still find myself, you know, going onto my, you know, like Twitter, like bears list and scrolling and being like, oh, do, I, do I need to care about this? I'm like, yeah, I do. Cause I still care about this stuff. I have, so, I, I have tried to figure out where I should like place my bears investment versus NFL in general. Because like it is, you're right. We should stay invested, but there are some things where I'm just like, no, I don't need to like worry about this rumor right now. I'll 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 figure. It out. I'll I'll cross this bridge when it's official in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. That which is also a little freeing. Yeah. You know, to be honest. Um. But, anyways, this has been a lot of fun, Cam. Uh, yeah, really cool. enjoyed doing another podcast with you, and and hopefully we can do another one again soon. Yeah. Um. This is a blast. Thank you again to Lawrence Holmes for reaching out to me and, and offering up this platform on the House of L Network for us to do this podcast and kind of explain to our, our fans with the Under Center podcast what the hell happened and what we're up to. Uh, and what we're up to is still talking football and going, how do we go an hour? Looks like it. Pretty close. Hey, neat. Love it. Hopefully, hopefully everyone listening to this enjoyed this podcast. Uh, I know I did. Mm-hmm. And cam it sounded like you did too i did yes confirmed great fantastic (laughs) anyways thank you for listening to 
us here on the House of L podcast. For Cam Ellis, I'm JJ Stankovitz. We will talk to you sometime soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.